Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I am glad to have my friend Jeff Verdorn here with me in studio. Today we're going to be talking about Christ in you. Christ in you. That's going to be the topic of the hour. We are in episode number 19 of Who is This Jesus? And this, Jeff, I believe is our closing episode. I think so. I think it is. (laughs) Unless something gets triggered this hour and we have to do number 20. Well, 20 would be a nice round number, wouldn't it? would be a nice round number, yeah. I I think we're going to finish up today. All right. Well, let's get at it. Let's talk about Christ in you. So just to remind everybody really quick, we've been talking about the life of Christ, everything about Jesus from beginning to end. So we talked about Jesus' past, kind of all the where we find Christ in the Old Testament, the prophecies for him in the New Testament, his teaching, his life, his death, and so on. We talked about the future Christ in the last couple couple sessions ago, that uh, Christ is going to come again one day and usher in his kingdom and rule and reign on earth for a thousand years. And then, of course, there's an eternal state that we all have to look forward to, those who are in Christ Jesus. And then we turn to the present Christ. And last session, we talked about Christ as the body, that the church is the body of Christ and Christ is the head. And today, I want to focus on the present dwelling of Christ in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And in fact, that is the key verse for today. Colossians 1.27 says to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, there's actually several places in Scripture where Paul uses this phrase, mystery. But remember, the mystery has been revealed, he says. So we now know what this mystery is, and this mystery is that Christ dwells in the believer, Christ in us. Paul, in fact, uses this phrase, in Christ, over 90 times in the New Testament. For example, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Ephesians 2, 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Over and over, Paul uses this expression that we as believers are in Christ. Jeff, are you going to bring up Galatians 2.20? Oh, definitely. Because oh, good. That is, that is one of the big ones. That's kind okay. of the, another theme verse for the day is Galatians 2.20. Okay, good. Absolutely. So there have been a, a number of theologians that have talked about this in the past, And one of them is a guy by the name of Ian Thomas. He started the Torchbearers Ministries. He wrote a book called The Indwelling Life of Christ. And this idea that we are going to talk about today, that that it's not us who live this Christian life. We don't look to God to help us live the Christian life. He wants to live his life in us and through us. 
And Ian Thomas used to use Galatians 2.20, as you just mentioned, and he, he called this idea, a, a, this revolutionary principle of Christianity. I think we tend to look at Christianity as, uh, I remember seeing a book cover one day, a long time ago, and it says, God is my co-pilot. And that sounds kind of piffy, you know, right? you know, mm-hmm. you got this God is with you in the cockpit, helping you fly the plane, being your co-pilot. And I say, if God is your co-pilot, switch seats. <laughs> I agree. He doesn't want to help you fly the plane. He wants to fly the plane. He wants to live his life in you and through you. I think a better image is is that song, Jesus Take the Wheel, right? It's like, hey, just let go of the whole wheel. Let him take control and, and steer the vehicle, steer the plane. Paul says in Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Christ is our life. This is a really hard concept because we we want to we try to think of how we need to live. And this idea that we're going to talk about in the next hour is that we it's not us who do it, it's him who does it. So do you remember that that poem of footprints in the sand? Have yeah. you ever seen that? Yeah, I love that. We all see that. Yeah, we all love it, right? It it makes a lot of it's sense. A warm fuzzy. It gives you a warm fuzzy. But what I want to say is that the, the and if you if you're not familiar with it, it's it's a man is he gets to heaven and he looks down and he sees his set of footprints and next to his footprints is another set of footprints and that's Jesus's footprints walking beside him. But then he says to Jesus, "In the hard times of my life, I only see one set of footprints. Where were you, Christ? Why weren't you next to me?" And he says, "Because during those times, I carried you." Mm-hmm. Now, what I want to submit to you today is that we should view our Christian walk with Christ always carrying us. In other words, there is no time that we want Jesus walking beside us in as we live our own life in the easy times, and then only in the tough times is he carrying us. I want to see Christianity as Christ always living in and through us. And I was talking to my dad today before this show, and he was asking what I was going to be teaching on, and I told him the the topic. And he said, you know, I think this idea of Christ in us can only really be understood in hindsight. As I look back across my life in hindsight, I see God's faithfulness as how he lived in and through me. And I thought that was a very wise comment because as we look back, we can see how God carried us in the tough times of our lives where we see only one set of footprints. The trouble is, is then we want to take that and we want to go and live it out on our own, in our own strength and our own power going forward. And God calls us to continue to rely on him, to continue to let him carry us, to continue to let him steer and drive the wheel. And yet, I think most of the time when I hear teachings uh, from, I, I think the common theme of our teachings in the church is this is what you need to do in order to live the Christian life. This is how you need to live. You need to do more of this, or you need to do less of that, or whatever. And it's kind of like the shepherds telling the sheep, you know, you need to grow more wool. And I don't know that that's what we should do. I think the model for the church should be caring 
and feeding the sheep. Because when you care and feed the sheep and they're trusting in the shepherd, they will grow wool. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. (laughs) We We don't need to tell the sheep to grow more wool. We just need to feed them, care for them, and you will. And as I think as we trust in him, as we abide in him, as we'll see this hour, we will produce that fruit uh, for God. So if we're really going to understand this concept, one of the things that we have to do is to understand the, the nature of man. And this is understanding the body and the soul and the spirit. And I, I've done this before on air, but we need to review it today to, to create a foundation for understanding this. Man is made up of a physical body. Think of three circles. The outside circle is your physical body. The middle circle is your soul, and your inner circle is your spirit. In the Greek, that's called the soma, the suke, the soul, and the pneuma, the spirit. And those are our three parts. Now, to really understand the spiritual part, I think we all understand the physical part. That's our body. That's our physical body. That's how we dwell in our physical world. That's how we experience uh, our sight, our smell, our hearing, our taste, our touch, all of our senses. This is our temporary dwelling, by the way. Both Peter and Paul call this physical body a temporary dwelling. But this is how we experience and live in our physical world. So I think we get that. I think we also get that this body is wasting away. Amen? I mean, as we get older, mm-hmm. we definitely know this. And in fact, that's exactly what Scripture says. Job says that life is but a breath. The psalmist says that my days vanish like smoke. It will pass away like a wildflower, James uh, says. All like grass, their glory will fade like the flowers of the field, Peter says. So that's our physical body. Our soul, that is our mind, our will, and emotion, our memories. This is when, when Matthew says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is our soul. Our soul controls our physical body. This is our decision-making. This is where we decide if we're going to act or not act. So James says, when we're tempted from the outside, it pricks our desires. I would argue that our desires are in our soul. And then it can, if we don't take these thoughts captive, can lead to sin, James says. Now, remember the heart, it's not the physical heart. The heart is a metaphor in Scripture for our soul. This is where our emotion is. This is where our decision-making is. Everything that makes you you is your soul. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. So we need to think of ourselves in our soul much more than our physical nature. You know, there's this phrase that says, we think with our head, but feel with our heart. And I ask, is that is that really true? Is there a distinction? And I would say, no, actually, it's describing both of the same places, your soul. You think in your soul, you have feelings in your soul, your emotions are in your soul. When we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, it's all saying the same thing. We love God with our soul. That is where we we, we decide what we're going to believe is true, where we put our faith and our trust. That's all a function of the soul. And then finally, there's the spirit, the pneuma of a man. This is the part of man that can be either alive in Christ or dead in sin. So Adam was made spiritually alive in the garden. But God said, if you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
you will surely die. Well, Adam lived to be over 900 years old. He didn't die that day. What died in him that day was his spirit. His spirit died. And ever since, every single person that's ever walked to the face of the earth has been born spiritually dead in need of life. Mm. Jeff, let's take our first break. We're continuing our series or concluding it today. We haven't decided, but most likely we're concluding it. Who is this Jesus? It's been a 19-part series. Today we're talking about Christ in you. Not to be missed. We'll take a short break and be right back. Listen to Faith Radio Live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app in your app store today. Jeff Redorn is my guest. He's here with me in studio and we are talking about Christ in you. We're concluding our 19-part series today on who is this Jesus. And Jeff, I think we're going to move on to talk about living a life of regeneration. Hmm. Yeah, so we, we when we left off, we, we had some actually some really bad news that everybody born is born spiritually dead. Uh, we inherit that from Adam who died that day in the garden. But the good news is, is that God understands our problem. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sins. He demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And now he offers new life to whosoever believes. And when you believe, he says you are born again, not born of water like you were the first time, but born of the spirit. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And that life that now is coming to life, the moment that you believe in Christ, is your spirit. Your spirit moves from death to life. Your spirit is now united with God, who is spirit, once again giving you life, just like Adam had in the garden. So, for example, in Romans 6, Paul says this, that those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. We have moved from death to life. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. He who has the Son has life. 1 John 5, 12. He who does not have the Son does not have life. These passages cannot be talking about physical life and death because both believers and unbelievers are walking around. They're physically alive. So it must be this spiritual part of man that moves from death to life. Theologians of old in the Latin used to call this idea that now Christ dwells within you, that you have the Spirit of God living within you as the temple of God, and God himself is now dwelling in us They called this the unio mystica, the mystical union. How 
can God, the creator of all, who cannot dwell in temples built by human hands, yet he dwells in the believer? Both God are all three, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We literally have God dwelling in us. That's why Jesus in John uh, 14 says this, on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. God has taken up residence in the born-again believer. So when it says that the Spirit of God lives in you, Romans 8 or 1 Corinthians 3, where it says God's, uh, you yourself are God's temple and the God's Spirit lives in you, the Apostle uh, Paul wrote that the that we are temples who uh, of the Holy Spirit who is who dwells within you and you've received from God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all dwell in us. We have God's power living and dwelling in us. So the question is, why do we try to live this Christian life on our own when we have the power of God dwelling in us? You know, there's an author. I don't often quote authors all that much, but this line is just so powerful because it sums up this whole idea. And he says, living the Christian life isn't hard. It's impossible. Only Christ can do it. When we try to live this Christian life on our own strength and our own power and and ask God, Lord, bless my life, bless my activities, bless my efforts, I think we're missing the true source of our power. The, The Spirit in us does so much. He confirms that we belong to God. He gives us spiritual gifts that we that we have and and can can live by those spiritual gifts are 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 to build up the body and its service and hospitality and faith and evangelism and discernment, prophecy, tongues, healing. There's all kinds of spiritual gifts and God gives you through his spirit each believer a unique set of spiritual gifts. He's given you power to live out this Christian walk. He indwells in you. He intercedes for you by prayer. Before you even pray, he intercedes for you. He empowers every believer. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's God's power dwelling in you. And he gives you the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I don't know about you. I'm not naturally a patient person. (laughs) And I can't, on my own power, make myself be more patient. But I've discovered this truth, that I, when I trust in him more, I see more patience in my life. I like that. When I abide in him more, I see more love and more joy and more peace in my life. I can't muster these up in my own power, but he can give me the fruit of the Spirit as I trust and abide in him. You know, Peter says this in 2 Peter, that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Well, that's because the God of the universe, who is everything, 
is dwelling in us. And that should be our 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 view of Christ. You mentioned Galatians 2.20. So let's read it right now. Paul says this. He says, I, my old self, my old lost deaf self, has been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But now Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. That's where our power comes from. That's where our strength comes from. So Ian Thomas described it this way. The moment you come to realize that only God can make a man godly, you are left with no option but to find God and to know God and to let God be God in and through you. Not I, but Christ. I mean, I can, I can, we can talk about these concepts, but this is so difficult to truly understand because we are self-aware beings. Everything we do, we do by our own will and our own desire and our own wants and our own wishes, everything we do. But God is saying, no, no more, not you. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in you. So we are to die to self and live for Christ. John the Baptist said it this way, I must decrease, he must increase. Even Jesus in the garden gave us a view of this picture when he said, not my will, Hmm. but your will be done. Paul says, not I, but Christ. Living the Christian life isn't hard. It's impossible. Only Christ can do it. Tough concept, isn't it? It is not an easy one, but it is spot on. So this leads us right into the story of John 15 of the vine and the branches. Because here he's using a a picture from the physical world, right? Mm -hmm. Vines and branches that we can all understand. And he gives us a perfect picture of this whole concept that we are the branches Christ is the vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, or abide in me, and I will abide in you. Remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. There it is. If you are trying to bear fruit for God by your own strength, by your own power, you're the branch. It's the vine that bears the fruit because on your own branch, you can do nothing. Mm. Solid. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, continue Christ in You, episode number 19 with Jeff Verdorn of Who Is This Jesus? Thank you for listening today. I hope you are loving this hour. I hope you've loved the whole show so far. If you've missed any of it, head to MyFaithRadio.com. Check out the podcast.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. All right, this hour has been zipping by. We're talking to Jeff Verdorn, and we're in episode number 19 of Who Is This Jesus? And today we're talking about Christ in you. And so far, if you've missed any of this, check it out from the beginning. Jeff, all right, let's go to it. I I just remembered we were, you were going to get a theme song for this teaching series. I was, but now it's coming to an end. Yeah, I yeah, guess we so. never got a theme song. Yeah, okay. I blame my laziness. <laughs> you know, this whole idea we were just talking during the break, it, it, is, it is a difficult concept to truly understand that Christ who lived 2,000 years ago and walked this earth and died and rose again and is up in heaven, is living his life in and through you. And and, and this is just a difficult concept to understand. I, I, I get that. But if you think about this abiding principle that we were just talking to about before the break, that as we abide in him, he will bear the fruit. And this theme, this singular theme shows up over and over and over in Scripture. I mean, remember, what what is the first and greatest command? And that is, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all your mind. Love God. You know, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, there was like 800 different laws, and the Jews would have to memorize them and meditate on them and try to do them all. I can't remember 800 things, let alone do them all, right? So it was tough. In fact, Paul says it was a heavy burden that no one could bear. But the New Testament is also full of a whole bunch of do's and a whole bunch of don'ts. Do this, pray continually. Don't do this. Don't you know? Uh, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, don't repay evil with evil. Keep no record of wrong. Um, encourage one another. Love one another. I mean, it's full of them. Can you do all those? Can you even know them all? Do you know all the do's and all the don'ts of the New Testament? I, you know, I, I do not know I do. all the don'ts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either, but I can't do them. No, even if I, I even if I had them all memorized, I, I know I couldn't live them out perfectly. But there's one thing. If I have one thing to fix on, to love God, to abide in him. I can remember that one thing. I maybe can't do it perfectly, but I can at least fix my eyes on Jesus. I can at least seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I can set my mind on things above, not on earthly things. I can clothe myself in the Lord Jesus Christ. I can live by the Spirit and therefore not gratify the desires of the flesh. I can draw near to God with sincere heart in full assurance of faith, Hebrews 10. I can have undivided devotion. I can trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not on my own understanding and in all my ways acknowledge him and he will make my paths straight. Hmm. I love the King James Version. It says, and he will direct my paths. When we fix our eyes on him, he will live his life in us and through us. I think that's the, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. 
And I think when we rely on his power to live out our life, um, I think that's what we look like. We, we start living more like Christ lived, like Paul lived, not by our own strength and our own power, but by his. And when we do that, as we were talking about earlier, we will have more what I call the internal fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, right? The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. That is what I call the internal fruit so that we can produce the external fruit. Well, what do I mean by external fruit? I think that's the the good deeds that God says that he has prepared us for. Remember Ephesians uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that says we've been saved uh, by grace through faith. But And when we all know that. It's by faith we are saved, right? Um, but Ephesians 2, verse 10, the next verse, says that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So this is what I call the external fruit. When we abide in the vine, he produces in us the internal fruit so that, that's kind of the inward fruit, so that we can produce the outward works or the good deeds. Philippians 4 says, let your gentleness, which is a fruit of the Spirit, be evident to all, which is external. John 13 says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we receive the internal fruit of love as we abide in him so that we can love others in the external fruit as others see Christ in us. That's the external fruit. That's the fruit that God wants to bear in our lives as he lives in and through us. I think Christianity is full of a bunch of plastic fruit. Hmm. You ever seen a bowl of plastic fruit? It looks so delicious. Oh, a lot of times you can't tell the difference, can you? (laughs) Yeah, until you try to bite into it. Yeah, until you try to bite into it, and then you quickly realize this is not real fruit. But I think all of us are very good at producing plastic fruit. We we play the part. We do the. We check off the boxes of the things that we're supposed to do. We go to the church events. We volunteer. We give our our money. We whatever it is that you're doing, and there's a little more plastic fruit. But only God, only Christ, who is the true vine, can produce that real fruit. By the way, that real fruit, that one day will be shown for what it is, right? Paul describes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3 that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It's called the Bema seat. And everybody in Corinth would have understood what he was talking about. And there's one day where everything we've done in the body will be set to fire. And if it survives, we are rewarded. But I have a feeling most of the stuff we've been doing in this life is going to be burned up because it was done with the wrong motives. It was done out of our own self-power and not by the power of God. But when he works in you and through you and he's the true vine bearing the fruit, we will be rewarded. Uh, One other comment on this that I like to point out 
in the book of Revelation, and in, in, when John is caught up to heaven at the start of chapter 4, he then sees these 24 elders, which I think represents the church, and they have all received their crowns. I think that probably has something to do with the rewards that they received while in the body for the work that they did, the fruit that they bore through God. Well, what do they do with those crowns? In Revelation 5, it says they take their crowns and they lay them at the feet of Jesus. Now, why would you lay your reward at the feet of Jesus? I think it's because of this. They will know and understand that Christ just rewarded them for the fruit that they did in their lives, but he was the true source of those works, those deeds. And so you're, 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 you're responding to Christ to say, this is really your crown because it was by your power that you bore the fruit in my life. Now, as my friend, friend Greg Steer likes to point out, the passage says that every time they worship and praise God, they lay their crowns at Christ's feet. So they must go over and pick them up. And he describes these crowns as treasured possessions that we will have for all of eternity. I kind of like that. I did too. And so every time we worship, we will lay them down at his feet in recognition that he was the source of all of the fruit that we were rewarded for. So remember the body-soul-spirit discussion at the start of this hour. Think about how this concept fits with the idea of body, soul, and spirit. In our spirit, we are united with Christ. We live by the spirit. We then have, the more we do that, the more our spirit abides with his spirit, the more we're connected to the vine, God says that we will display more fruit, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. That's the internal fruit in our soul. I'm going to place those eternal fruits in our soul, in our mind, will, emotion, or memories. We have more love and peace and patience and kindness so that out of our soul, we can then do the good works in the body that we can be effective and productive in our, uh, in our Christian walk. There's, um, I can't find the passage right now in my notes. There's a passage in Peter where it says, if you possess these qualities, and, and Peter basically lists off basically the fruit of the Spirit stuff, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. If you possess those in ever-increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your Christian walk. In other words, they will. if you have this internal fruit, it will keep you from being fruitless, from doing good deeds in this world. Obviously, the opposite is if you have it more, you will be effective and productive in your Christian walk. So I think this concept, we abide in our spirit, our innermost being connected with God. We then have in our soul love and joy and peace and patience so that in our body we can do good work. We can love others just as God loved us. So if we want more self-control in our lives— uh, do we do we listen to a you know nineteen part sermon on how to have more self control in our lives, or do we abide in Him more? If we want to be more gentle in our relationships with others, do we need to go to a weekend seminar 
that teaches us how to be gentle, or do we just love the Lord our God more? If we want more patience, this is this was a great funny line. Uh, in in remember the movie Bruce Almighty, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jim Carrey says, "When you ask God for patience, does He just give you patience, or does He put you in situations where you have to learn patience?" It's like what a great question. It's a great question. But as one of the fruits of the Spirit, I think as you abide in Him, you will have more patience. If you want more joy in your life, trust in the Lord, and He will produce the fruit of joy in your heart. Do you want to be an effective and productive Christian? I argue the world says don't just sit there, do something. I argue don't just do something, sit there. Come to his feet, abide in him. He will bear that fruit in your life. Oh, I found the verse. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8 is the verse about being an ineffective and unproductive Christian. Look, God doesn't want you getting busy for him. He wants you. He wants to get busy in and through you. The old adage, he doesn't want your abilities. He wants your availability. That is so true. I think most approach God with this attitude of, look at me, God, look how I'm I'm so smart. I have all these skills. I have all these gifts. Use all my abilities in this world. And I think we have to reverse that and say, I will look to you and to your power for you to work in and through me. We are just to love him. Can we remember that one single command? Love the Lord. Trust in him. Abide in him. If we just focus on that one thing, I think everything else starts to fall in place. I would agree. Let's take a short break. Jeff Ferdorn is my guest. We're in our series, Who Is This Jesus? Today we're talking about Christ in you. It's been a great hour so far. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. The way they keep on telling me time and time again, boy, you never win. You never win. But the voice of truth We are wrapping up our hour with Jeff Verdorn and wrapping up our series called Who Is This Jesus? It has been 19 parts over many, many months, and it's been really wonderful. Today we're talking about Christ in you. And right before the break, we were uh, referencing a verse in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. I'd like to read them, Jeff, if I may. Mm -hmm. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities 
in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that verse just sums up the the vine and the branches that we were talking about. As we trust in him and abide in him, that list that you read is very similar to the fruit of the Spirit. And the more we have those, the more external fruit that we will have. We will be effective and productive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The less we abide, the less effective and we will pro- and productive we will be in our knowledge of him. Um, so we abide, it produces in us the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on, which now everybody should see, right? Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven because he's your source. I mean, this is this is a fundamental, as John 3.16 is to salvation, Galatians 2.20 is to our walking this Christian life. So John 3.16, obviously, it says, when you believe, you have eternal life and you're saved. But now that we're saved, the next question after what must I do to be saved is how now shall I live? And that is, I think, Scripture tells us, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Not I, but Christ And that was the verse at the start of this hour, that it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. You know, this this concept is described also in Romans chapter 6. There's kind of this this teaching that this flow of Romans 6 is basically know, reckon, and yield, or know, count, and and submit, depending on the version of your Bible. So in verse 9 of Romans 6, it says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die, and that we have been crucified with him. Do you know that? Do we know that? Do we understand that? That our old self was crucified with him. In the same way, verse 11, count yourself dead to sin or reckon it. Believe it to be true and, and real in your life. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body so you obey its evil desires. Don't offer your parts of your body to sin as instruments to wickedness, but rather offer or submit yourself to God. And sin won't be your master. Offer, submit, abide, mm. trust, love. The Lord your God. Fix your mind on things above. Store up your treasures in heaven. Set your mind on not earthly things, but things above. You see how this single one command keeps showing up over and over in Scripture? It's like God's trying to beat it into our heads. If you would simply trust in me, watch what I can do in and through you. Abide in me. That is the key. I had another thought too, but I forgot it. <laughs> I did. I just, I thought, oh, I'm going to really make a good point. Well, there's... And then I forgot it. You know, this is, <laughs> this is hard because we are creatures of performance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything that we have achieved in our life, it's achieved because of our skill, our ability, uh, what we've done. So even as children, we get... 
you know, gold stars on our art projects and we get grades and we get diplomas and we get jobs and we get raises and we get salesmanship of the year awards. And everything we achieve, we think, oh, look what I have done and what I have accomplished. And God says, no, you can't do anything in my economy. It's impossible. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags to God. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be rewarded for anything that we do in the flesh but only what he does in us and through us. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm listening to these words, and I'm preaching to myself, right? Because I, I can't tell you how far I am from this, right? Because so many things I want to do. And, and that's what we were, we were talking about after the break, that sometimes we only see this in hindsight. Have you ever been in a situation where... It's like, Lord, I don't have anything to bring to this situation. You've got to really help me. And then, wow, it works out. And you look back and you say, man, God, you were faithful in that situation. And we see it in hindsight, but then it's hard to trust him going forward in the same way. So maybe I used to keep a journal, I wish I still did, where I I would write down these times when I saw God be faithful in so many ways to me. And I think those are lessons in our life to teach us, if you would just abide in me, I will make your paths straight. You could have your own personal journal of, of amazing stories of God's goodness oh. that you could revisit when you're feeling low. Like, where's God in all this? And you can go back and revisit. Time and time again, God was faithful and showed up in significant ways. You know, and and that's really what many of the stories, uh, especially Old Testament stories, are all about, right? Did God ever reject Israel, even though they weren't faithful to him in so many ways? No, he always remained faithful to them, and uh, and he always remains faithful to us. He is our strength. He is our power. I have a pastor friend that describes the Galatians 2.20 as plugging into the 2.20, Mm-hmm. That's our power source. We plug into, you know, the, the the 220 wall socket, and that is the power with which we live our lives. And 110 will give you a nice little shock, but 220 might kill you. <laughs> so if you think of plugging into 220 and you are, you know, you, you are, you died with Christ, you are dead in your sins. Yeah. Think of that as another way of going, I'm, I'm dead, I'm dead to sin. Yeah, and this, this, this whole idea of, what do you mean I've been crucified? I understand that Christ was crucified. He was crucified on a cross 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. But me, I've been crucified? And, 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 and that's why that, that body, soul, spirit concept is so critical. Your old self with the dead spirit was crucified. You've been raised in new life with now a, an alive spirit, and that's your new self, your new self, a new nature, the old nature is gone. You have taken off the old self, Colossians 3.9, and have put on the new self, Colossians 3.10. So now God calls you, so count yourself dead to sin. Put off that old self, Ephesians 4.22 says, and put on your new self, Ephesians 4.24. Trust in him. Do not offer your bodies to sin as instruments of righteousness, but offer yourselves to God. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. To live is Christ. Hmm. 
What a spectacular conclusion to a great series. To live is Christ. I mean, you didn't think 19 sessions ago that you would end it with that, did you? I, I didn't. I'd love to say I planned it in session one. To no, but end you it didn't. That, but no, I love that. No, I didn't. No, but to live is Christ. I have to decide what we're going to do next. you, you got a couple of weeks to sweat it out. But next week we're going to do our, oh, yeah. our annual, um, how do we phrase that? The, last, the final week. The final week of Jesus. Of Christ's life. Yep, yep. Earthly ministry. But we really focus on the day of the crucifixion. We do. We, we walk do. through the detailed time uh, phrases in all the Gospels, starting from Sunday, Palm Sunday, through to Resurrection Day. And we're going to find... Something that we celebrate Good Friday, what we're going to see is the Bible is actually clear um, that Christ was crucified on... That's a cliffhanger. Okay. We're going to have to wait till next week. <laughs> All I know is, like the prophecy of Jonah, he spent three days and three nights... Yes. In the tomb. So we will look at all the related passages to the cr- chronology of Christ's final week and see when the crucifixion actually happened. Ooh, sounds good. Jeff Dorn, thank you so much for your commitment to me and, this, and Faith Radio and our friendship. And this has been a fabulous study. And I'm looking forward to seeing what we're going to do next. Wonderful. Thanks, awesome. Bill. Awesome. That wraps up our show. And thank you for listening. And thank you for Sending your prayer requests over. Thank you for caring about uh, us and uh, giving to Faith Radio. Thank you for loving on us. We feel it. We know it. We love you. And we are excited to um, see what God has for you in your life and for the lives of your loved ones. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.